This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. Glory to God. Amen. I'll tell you what, I would rather be here than the best hospital in all of Southern California. I'd rather be here than the best prison in all of California. I'm so glad that Jesus set me free. I can go where I want to go, do what I want to do, and nothing hinders me because of Jesus. Amen. Isn't it nice to be free to be here this morning? Amen. If anybody's ever been locked up or been in a hospital for a while, you know how good it is to be able to walk. How to go where you want to go and do what you want to do. But you know, there's a lot of people in our realm of influence that they can't do those things because they haven't been set free yet. You know, they might still be walking around, but they're captive. And we want to get people set free to be who Jesus Christ wanted them to be. And so today we're going to be talking again about what we talked about last night about fishing. And I got to do a disclaimer before I ever start. We got a call from somebody this week on the telephone in the office. And they said they'd like to come to our church sometime. But it says, is that all the AI ever talks about is fishing? And they listened to us on the internet last Sunday sermon. And uh, Katie told him, said, well, he talked about fishing one time. But he wasn't talking about fishing. He was talking about fishing for men and winning people to Jesus, being a soul winner for Jesus. Said, no, he doesn't just talk about fishing all the time. <laughs> but if she hears me again today, she's going to think, well, he does talk about fishing all the time. But no, this just twice the whole time I've been preaching probably talked about fishing. I never dressed like a fisherman before. For people that have visited their first-timers, I normally wear a suit and tie. And i got a lot of staff people here today that are dressed like I've dressed, but we're not a seeker-friendly church where we want to be like everybody else. We believe if you come to the house of God, you ought to dress right and do your hair and look sharp for Jesus. Amen. If you dress up good to go see important people of the world, then you ought to dress nice for Jesus. So no, we don't always dress like this, but this is what we call an illustrated sermon. And I did about three out of about 30 years of preaching, about three of them. I did one back in Indiana one time. I dressed like a truck driver, bought a two-wheeler in, like I was working on a freight dock and things like that. For example, Jesus wanted to make so today... We're going to be talking about fishing for men again. We'll see scripture, the Word of God, that will show us what we're talking about because sometimes you get the picture across more by what they see and they might miss by what they hear. But anyway, we're doing some things today just as an example from the Word of God will show you what to do. And I don't know about you, but I know about me. To me, the most important thing in the world to me is not my pension. It's not who's the president. It's not what kind of car I drive or what my health insurance pays or doesn't pay, the most important thing to me is I want to go to heaven when I die. And that's because I received Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior. When I was 16 years old, I was pronounced dead at the scene of, a, of an automobile accident where there was a drunken driver, and I was the drunk. At 16 years old, they said I was dead. When I was 19 years old, my appendix ruptured. I had peritonitis, and the doctor said, Told my wife, my mother, he's got less than a 50-50 chance to make it. I came through there. But at that young age, if I would have died, I would have went to hell. It's a real place. And so I praise the Lord Jesus Christ. He didn't let me die and go to hell. I'm alive. And so my highest desire in life as a preacher is to help people. But the number one thing I want to help people with is to make sure they're going to heaven by receiving Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And then not just to be good church members, but to be soul winners. To be people that come to church and get stronger in the Lord, but that everywhere they go, uh, they got a fish line out, so to speak, wanting to go fishing. 
My wife and I this week spent the week up at Big Bear at a cabin, not just vacation. We were up there to seek the Lord about his plan for what he wants to do in 2018 in this church, and we got it. But while we were up there all the time, we were fishing. What I mean fishing. Everywhere we went, we talked to somebody about Jesus. We was telling them about God. We was telling them about Jesus, et cetera, et cetera. And so what we were doing, we were throwing a line out all the time, see if anything was biting. Well, last week the center fish weren't biting too good up a big bear. But we were fishing anyway. And so yesterday we went to the soccer game to watch the grandkids play soccer. We were watching soccer, but we were fishing. You know, just all the time, put the little one-liners out there about Jesus, about church, talking about spiritual things, etc., etc. All the time having the line out, and the soccer fish weren't biting too good yesterday either. But I want to show you something out of our out of our bait and tackle store. How many ever been? How many, by the way, how many ever went fishing in the natural here? Anybody ever been fishing before? Have you ever went to the bait house where they sell tackle, bobbers, fishing poles, and lines? Well, back in Indiana, where we came from, they called that the bait and tackle store. Well, we got some really good things for our bait and tackle store I want to show you about. And these will help you be a better fisherman. I've always used these, and I've always carried these in my tackle box. Uh, better put the hat on in case it starts raining out here at the lake. <laughs> I don't do that all the time. I very seldom mess with this faith or under that hat, but today we'll make an exception for Jesus. <laughs> but anyway, uh, if you see on the screen up there what I'm holding up up here, these are things that will help you be a strong fisherman. This is called Faith Food Devotions. Faith Food Devotions. They're daily devotions written by uh, Reverend Kenneth Hagan. And every day they're bite-sized nuggets of faith from the Word of God to help you be strong and in condition. And uh, the reason that's so necessary, I know that I, I told you last week, my grandpa was a real serious fisherman. And when we fished, you didn't just go up and park next to the lake and get out and sit in a lawn chair. We walked through the woods, and we walked up hills, down hills. He said, watch out for the poison ivy, watch out for the mosquitoes, watch out for this. And if we hadn't been in fairly good shape, we couldn't have carried because when you go fishing with a serious fisherman, you just don't take a, a, a box of worms and a fishing pole. You carry all kinds of stuff with you because you're going back there for a while. And to go spiritual fishing, you've got to be in shape. You've got to be spiritually sound. And so these little devotions will help you. And then also... Also, to be a serious fisherman for Jesus, you got to be a strong believer. This book's called The Triumph of the Church. The Triumph of Church. And if you're, if you're a serious fisherman, you can take divine healing to people. You can take deliverance from addictions and drugs and evil things and cast devils out of people and do serious things. And this is called The Triumph of Church because if you're going to go fishing, you got to be prepared to catch any kind of fish. Now, back in Indiana, when I used to go fishing, my grandpa and the people back in Indiana, sometimes we was bass fishing. Sometimes we caught bluegills. Sometimes we caught an old carp. We didn't fish for carp, but sometimes you caught them. And, of course, fishing for Jesus, you're going to catch a lot of carp. The carp in the spirit can be cleaned up. <laughs> Amen. And so we catch crappies. We catch sturgeons. We catch perch. All kinds of fish out there. You never know what you're going to catch when you go fishing, but you got to be prepared to catch anything. And I'll tell you, over the years, when I was a truck driver out there doing a lot of one-on-one -on -one fishing, man, I caught some demon-possessed people. I caught some people some real serious stuff. If I wasn't prepared, I couldn't have caught them. Man, I remember the one day this one one fish I caught. Oh, boy. I was, uh, we're getting into the sermon, aren't we, man? Tell them about the bait and tackle store. We're getting into the sermon. Actually, if you're here for the first time, that's called our bookstore. But today it's the bait and tackle store. Uh, 
But I remember one time, I, uh, oh boy, a couple times, I can't tell all those stories, I gotta get to this. But I remember that I was delivering this place in downtown Indianapolis, back, back by truck up to this guy's back door, this business in downtown Indianapolis, and this guy had this great big ugly demon head on a chain around his neck and just weird stuff like that. I mean, he really looked, he really looked possessed and he was possessed. He was really messed up. So as soon as I saw that, immediately the greater one in me, how many know who the greater one is? Amen in me, rose up and just hit this guy head on. Jumped out of there, man, shaking his head. Hallelujah, glory to God. This is the day the Lord has made. We'll rejoice and be glad. I mean, hit that, hit that thing head on. And so anyway, this guy was really into demon worship and things like that. A young guy, probably, I can't remember how old he was. I remember his name. I just remember his name. But anyway, uh, the guy, the guy was so messed up that he couldn't eat anything or drink anything except goat's milk. His stomach was so messed up of ulcers and torment and things like that being full of the devil. The guy couldn't eat. He's a young guy. And so anyway, I led him to Jesus. And so then I got his address. And me and my wife started visiting him and his girlfriend. That ministered to them for a season. Got him free, serving Jesus. But the whole thing, what I'm saying was that I wasn't out there that day fishing for demon-possessed people. But if I hadn't have been more full of Jesus than he was the devil, I couldn't have caught him. So you got that triumph of church, great book. And then here's another one in line that I call him, learning to flow with the Spirit of God. Learning to flow with the Spirit of God. And all these books are things that I have in my personal tackle collection at home. And I use these. I read them. I get things in me to help me because to me it's more important to get people to heaven than it is to show them how to buy a new car or how to go into debt more. I want to get people to heaven. So anyway, that's what I want to do is help you be able to lead people to Jesus. How do you like our net up there? Amen. Well, last week we were talking about pole fishing. This week we'll be talking more about commercial fishing or corporate fishing. And I was thinking, Mrs. Pastor, a while ago, the first time I went to Rhode Island with you back in 1981, we went to the, it was called, it was called Galilee. Here, hold this pole, somebody. Hold that, Josh. I don't want to hurt my pole. That's my real fishing pole, man. I don't want to, that's, that's an open-faced reel. <laughs> but anyway, back in, uh, I, I was always in Indiana all my life until I married her. Her family's from New England. And uh, in New, we went out the first time I'd ever seen the ocean back in 1981. It was, it was the Atlantic Ocean. So we went to this place called Galilee, and they had commercial fishing boats. And all I ever knew from Indiana was fishing with a fishing pole. So we went and saw these commercial fishermen and talked to them. And these guys had these big boats that had crews on them, had a lot of people working on the boats. And they had a thing called the hold underneath the boat. And they had, they had cranes on the boat, actually, too, for the, get the fish out of the holes. But these guys would go out there and stay gone for, I remember the guys said we stayed out as long as three weeks at a time, go way out of the ocean. And got great big nets, a whole lot bigger than that right there. And they'd go out there. They wouldn't just come back with a couple bluegill or have a nice stringer for a pitcher. you hold up this thing with all these fish. They actually came back with these boats, with all these fish that had been out there, man, grubby-looking, dirty-looking, because they were out there for some serious fishing. And they had these trap doors they'd open up and had this crane would dip down there. And a guy, I forget what they called him, had to get down the side of there and put fish in these great big things. And this crane pulled them out. And they had the fish house where they unloaded right there. And they put them on a conveyor belt. And then if you actually went inside the fish house, you see the people with little chop, chop, chop stuff like that. 
and they had crates with big fancy air stapler guns, put them in the crates. I said, where are those going? I said, they're going out to the Midwest for Red Lobster and all the fish places out in the Midwest. But those guys were serious fishermen. They caught them by the thousands and thousands and thousands, and they fed a lot of people with them. And so the point of where we're going to get to today is this. We as Christians can pull fish like we talked about last week, catching people one-on-one for Jesus. But like we're doing at a Harvest Fest this Friday night, that's called commercial fishing. We're going to throw out the nets Friday night, expect to catch a lot of fish as a team. But we've got to know how to fish as a team. Because those people, those people on the boats out there for three weeks in time, man, they couldn't afford to fight and get jealous because one of them didn't get to be the captain, they had the captain. And the bottom guy of the totem pole, I found out when I was talking to those guys in Galilee years ago, he's the one that got to go down there and put the dirty, stinky fish off them down there. And what a horrible job that was they talked about. But when they first started off, they had to do that. But they had to do their part because they wasn't experienced to do the other things the other guys did yet. So they had to do their part. And so we as, we as believers, as we're going to see today, we all have a part to play. But the goal is one thing. It's eternity. These people that are coming to our place to have a good time, we want to have bait out there to catch them for Jesus. Amen. Amen. Then next year we'll have a bigger crew. Amen. Somebody say hallelujah. All right. Now, do you need a, do you need an outline? If you need an outline, hold up your hand. And I'm going to look at a different verse than what we've got on there. How, how many know that we have a daily devotion we put on the internet and give you a handout every month? We've got a devotion that scriptures I pick out to put on there. But anyway, today was really appropriate. So if you read today's devotion, you saw this. But I want to show you because it fits right in hand with the sermon. Look at James chapter 5. <clears throat> the last two verses. And the Lord, the Lord, I believe, is speaking this to us. James chapter 5, verse 19 and 20. I read this this morning. I thought, wow, this is timely. James 5, verse 19 to 20 says this in the King James. Brethren, if you... Well, look, your neighbor said, that's talking about me. Amen. If any of you do err from the truth... Now, listen, that's not you, but this part is... And one convert him, let him know that he which converteth the sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul from death and shall hide a multitude of sins. So get this, says brethren, so start off with a person's a brethren, that means they're born again. They're part of the family of God. But it says they err from the truth, that means backslide. Walk away from the word of God, walk away from Jesus. This says let him know that he which converted the sinner. And so I want you to notice, all of a sudden, he was talking about a brother, but then it says when he walks away, he's a sinner. So he says, if you turn him back, then he's a believer again. And so I call that a backslider, and there's lots of them out there. And just like when I used to go fishing back in Indiana a long time ago, the only place I go fish here is really Joe Mumford's house. <laughs> That's how I want to drive a long ways. But we had to find out what kind of fish we're biting. Sometimes we'd take chicken livers. Sometimes artificial bait. 
sometimes night crawlers, sometimes driftworms, sometimes crickets, sometimes grasshoppers. I tell you, my grandpa's a serious fisherman. He used anything he could use for what he wanted to catch things on. But anyway, you had to know what was in the lake you were at and what was biting, so that's what kind of bait you used. So I'll tell you right now, now get this, I'm talking to you by the Spirit of God. Backsliders are biting. Backsliders are biting, and let me tell you the bait to use. Not condemnation. The bait you use is called love. The best bait to use for backsliders is love. Love them, talk to them, invite them. Don't punch their lights out because they're not coming to church anymore. Don't tell them how ugly and dirty and nasty they are because of what they're doing and how they're living. Let them know, hey, the door's wide open to salvation. Come back to Jesus. Come back to Jesus. You know, I don't, I don't know about you, but I know about me. The times in life that I've been living wrong and doing wrong and not doing right, I do it. You don't have to throw up my face. If I'm talking to you as a Christian, tell me how to quit doing it. Tell me how to get right. Tell me how to change things. Don't throw mud on me. Get me out of the mud. Amen. And so I'm telling you, these backsliding friends, relatives, former church members, and people like that, you're at a cross, man. Don't pound them. Tell them how to get back up. Come back in. Nobody's mad at you. God's not mad at you. God wants to help you. Amen. Our job is to catch them. It's the Holy Spirit's job and the Word of God to clean them up after we catch them. You can't clean them up till they get caught. And love never what? Love never fails. Amen, amen, amen. Give the Lord a hand. And so, and so I'm telling you, backsliders are biting today. This is the time to get the backsliders. By the way, just, just a question. How many here have ever been a backslider and you came back to God? Look at all these hands going up. Glory to God. I tell you what, you can catch backsliders with the right bait. Thank you, Jesus. Wow. That's amazing. And how many, how many have been caught and cleaned up and now productive for the family of God? All right. Matthew chapter four. We're going to use the New Living Translation today because it just works so much better for what we're looking at here. Matthew chapter four, verse 18 to 22. And I'm thinking about last week. Uh, my opening scripture from Joel about multitudes, multitudes of the valley of decision. The closer we get to the end of this age, Isaiah chapter 60 told us about it, said it's going to get dark, and he called it gross darkness. And so he said our light's going to shine brighter. The darker it gets, the brighter our light. And so our light's shining right now because there's people all around us, all around us in the sea of sin and perversion. And just all the nasties of life. And they want us to throw them out of line. But multitudes and multitudes of that valley decision. And so Matthew chapter 4 verse 18 to 22 says this. One day as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon also called Peter. And so, you know, if you're a new Christian, don't know that. That sometimes when the Bible talks about Peter, he's called Simon. But he's also called Peter. So Simon and Peter are one and the same guy. And Andrew throwing a net into the water. Throwing a net. Do you see our net? 
throwing a net to the water because they wanted to catch more than one fish. They wanted to catch a lot of fish, and that's like that commercial fish we were telling you about. They were throwing a net to the water for they fished for a living. And, you know, some of you uh, drive, drive a truck for a living. Some of you work in a factory for a living. Some of you are in the military for a living. Some of you work at different stores for a living. So there's things people do for a living. So these guys were catching fish for a living. No fish, no eat. Amen. So they had to have fish to pay their bills. So they were serious. And they were fishing for a living. And Jesus called out to them, come, follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. Amen. Amen. And so it says that they left their nets at once. See the nets at once and followed him. A little further up the shore, he saw two other brothers, James and John, sitting in a boat with their father Zebedee. They were repairing their nets. They were repairing their nets. Uh, King James says they were mending their nets. And did that because if, if you catch fish and you got holes in your net, they find a way out and they get right back out. And so you got to have a solid net with no holes if you want to fish to stay because I tell you what, there's nothing any worse. I never fished with nets back in Indiana, but sometimes they wouldn't have a fish on the stringer good. If they get off the stringer and take off, that's no fun to have that big one you can't wait to go brag on. And you go to get your stringer up and it's gone, or sometimes we have a little fish in that, so we put them in a little container and put them in like that, and turtles will try to get them, so turtle eat a hole in the net. And there's nothing worse than that to get there, find your fish half ate up and a hole in your net, and the fish is gone. And so these guys were taking care of their equipment. We got to take care of our equipment. And our main equipment we have is the Word of God, the love of God, to take care of us to make sure we can do it. So anyway, they're repairing their nets, and he called them to come too. They immediately followed him, leave the boat and their father behind. So Jesus is still receiving spiritual fishermen, recruiting spiritual fishermen and women today. He's still recruiting. He got me out of a truck. He said, come follow me. I'll show you how to deliver men. Amen. And women. And so Jesus is still recruiting spiritual fishermen and women today because there's a multitude of people drowning in the sea of sin that need rescued, that need delivered. But I want you to notice verse 21 where it did say that James and John, their dad and their dad, were repairing their nets so they wouldn't lose the fish they caught. A couple of weeks ago on Sunday night, uh, John John says, John, I don't know how to pronounce your last name, is it? Salcedo, okay, I've learned the name. But anyway, John, John, John gave me one of the best nuggets I've heard for a long time. John talked about coming back to Jesus about catching backsliders and things like that and he said we've got to mend our nets church he said now listen to this here's what I like about this he said, that's called networking working on the nets is networking and that's what we're going to do Friday night we're going to be networking yes. Amen. amen what are we networking for because we want to catch backsliders we want to catch people for Jesus. But John, I love that. I wrote that down. Got a note in my Bible when you said that. I thought, wow, what a nugget that is. That we need to be working on our nets all the time. Amen. Everything we can do. <clears throat> we have we have staff meetings every couple of weeks. And we have a lot of things we do behind the scenes nobody sees. There's a lot goes into this church to make it run. But the whole thing is we're all the time trying to find better ways to keep the fish that come in. Doing everything we can. We're getting people in more positions. We've got a lot going on because we want to keep the ones that Jesus sends. We want to help people. 
to stay free and living for him. So anyway, <clears throat> these guys were mending their nets so they could network. And we're going to network on Friday night. We're going to work together to catch people for Jesus. Amen. Doing better preaching than you are shouting. And so I want you to notice, so in verse 22 also, it says that these people, uh, they followed him, leaving the boat and their father behind. And so if you're going to be a good fisherman for Jesus, you have to leave some of your past behind. You have to leave some things behind. And now so people don't go off the deep end, that doesn't mean quit your job and disown your family. Amen. I want to say that again. That does not mean go out and quit your job this week. Say, well, Pastor said we got to quit. No, I didn't say you got to quit. The Bible says you don't work, you don't eat. As says a man that doesn't take care of his own house is worse than an infidel. Has denied the faith. And so you keep on working. And if it ever comes to a point in time where you're living for Jesus, you're growing in the faith, and he says, I want you to go to Bible school or do something with your life, he's going to show you a way to still take care of your family. And take care of Bible school and everything else. Anyway, uh, what he means is this. You will need to adjust your priorities. And I want to say this. If you're going to be a serious fisherman, you're going to need to adjust your priorities and allow more time for prayer. More time to study your Bible. And spend a whole lot more time in church. Spend a whole lot more time in church. If you're going to be a fisherman... I'll tell you what, the uh, book of Genesis says that every seed produces after its own kind. If you want to be a fisherman, you need to hang around fishermen. If you want to know about, if you want to know more about winning people to Jesus, hang about, hang around some people that love Jesus that are on fire for Jesus and want to do some soul winning for Jesus. Amen. And so the more you're in an atmosphere where the spirit of faith is, it's going to get on you. I'll tell you what, every Sunday night, <clears throat> we've been, we started video, <clears throat> excuse me, videotaping Sunday nights now at testimony time. We have some of the most awesome testimonies you ever hear in your life on Sunday nights. I'll tell you what, it's just beyond the natural thinking, what we heard come out of your mouths on Sunday nights, the stories you're telling, the testimonies you're staring. And if you come on a Sunday night and that don't light your fire, then your wood's all wet. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Because there's these testimonies, and that's what I'm saying is this. Says, 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 says they immediately left the boat behind. You got to leave some of your other things in life behind if you want to be a serious fisherman. Amen. Look at Matthew chapter 17. Matthew chapter 17. We're going to look at verse 24 to 27. And we're talking about Peter. He told Peter, follow me. And I'll make you a fisher of men. I'll show you guys how to catch men. Matthew 17, verse 24 to 27. Notice this. On their arrival in Capernaum, I'm in the New King James Version, by the way, so if you got King James or something, then it's a little bit different. But the New King James says, On their arrival in Capernaum, the collectors of the temple tax came to Peter and asked him, Doesn't your teacher pay the temple tax? And so Jesus wasn't around. He came to Peter, a fisherman. Yes, he does, Peter replied. Then he went into the house, but before he had a chance to speak, and so Jesus knows things. He knows things about you before you have a chance to speak. He hears your conversations. He knows the questions in your heart. He knows things you want answers to. 
And so before he had a chance to speak, Jesus asked him, What do you think, Peter? Do kings tax their own people or the people they have conquered? And Peter said, They tax the people they have conquered. Well then, Jesus said, the citizens are free. However, now look at this. We don't want to offend them, so go down to the lake and throw in a line. That's one-on-one fishing. He said, I want to go down and catch a fish. Use one line. So see, Peter was a commercial fisherman, but he also knew how to fish one-on-one. And so he said, throw in a line. He said, open the mouth of the mouth of the fish, first fish you catch, and you'll find a large silver coin. Take it and pay the tax for both of us. And so Peter knew how to corporately fish. And then also, he knew how to fish with a crew. He knew how to get people together to work together to fish that way. And so what we're saying here is this, is that we, to be corporate fishermen, have to know how to be able to fish one-on-one also. And I, I want to show you something. Verse 4 through 11. Was that the wrong verse I got written down there? Oh, that's that's another one I'm looking at. Okay. And so, uh, we should all be soul winners. Amen. We should all be soul winners. And so, this is like a, a believer leading a lost person in a prayer of salvation to catch that one fish. But I want you to notice also that when he caught that one fish, he got his taxes paid. He put the kingdom of God first, and then Jesus took care of the tax part too. But anyway, Jose, let's see, where's Jose at? Jose. Jose threw his line out. Was that Wednesday night or Thursday night? Thursday night, he threw his line out and he caught one. Amen. He wasn't just biting, but he caught it. He led one of his relatives, one of his adult relatives to the Lord on Thursday night. One-on-one fishing. Amen. And Mrs. Pastor, and can I have a couple of volunteers? Where's Jesse at? Uh, is, is your wife here? Desiree, could you be a volunteer? Marriage seminar following in room 101. I, I, I actually already had them set up. I wasn't just pulling them out off guard. They, they were already set up to know what to do. But I want Mrs. Pastor and these two to give you an example of how we fish, how we throw a line out. Hey, how are you today? Yeah, I've been better. You've been better? Yeah. Oh. Pardon us. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't know where it's at. That's okay. We'll share. Right. Okay. I'm not good of a share, but... You're, you're not a good share? No, not really. Never really been shared with myself, so... I mean, can't do what you're not learned. Did you have a rough life or something? Yeah, well, like I said, it's been better, you know. Um, yeah, that's about it. Do you know that somebody really, really loves you? About my grandma. That's about it. Your grandma? Yeah, just my grandma. She's dead now, though. I know somebody that was dead and rose from the dead and still loves you. You know his name is Jesus? Have you ever heard of Jesus? Oh, gosh. Not you people. Yeah, us people found a 
found something that has made our life just really worth living. Yeah, well, I guess if I never worked for anything, I never had nothing. So, I don't know. That never worked for me. But to each its own. You know what? You don't have to work for it. That's the cool thing about Jesus. You know what? It's a gift. Jesus is a gift. He loves you so much that he died on the cross for you. And if you were the only person in the whole wide world, he still would have died on the cross for you because he loves you that much. Yeah, well, um, I'll have to think about that. Not really interested at the moment, though. Thank you. Well, that's okay. But I just want to let you know that Jesus does love you. And I'm going to be praying for you because you're valuable to him. And because you're valuable to him, you're valuable to me, even though I've just met you. What's your name, by the way? Billy Bob. Well, Billy Bob. Billy Bob, Jesus knows your name. Even if Billy Bob isn't your real name, Jesus knows your real name. And he does love you. And I am going to be praying for you to, to know him, to receive him into your heart. And just to, just to be set free from all this pain that's in your heart. Because he's the only one that can do it. Okay? Hey, I want to tell you something. Um, I go to High Desert Word Center here in town. It's across the street from the drive-in. You ever been to the drive-in? Oh, yeah. I used to go to that church. You, you used to go to this church? This, you did? Yeah, I used to go to that church. Woo, we, we, we back in the day. Well, what happened? Stop going to that church. Why? Oh, I like to sleep in on Sundays. Oh, well, Jesus didn't sleep in for you. Yeah, well, like I said, I, I'm busy. I kind of got to go. Okay. Okay. Much. Bye, Billy Bob. Bless you. I'll be praying for you. I'll be looking for you. Hey, Sunday morning, I'll be looking for you. Ten o'clock. See you, Billy Bob. He's going to chase you down, buddy. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Where's my, here's my other little, here's my other little, my other little gal. <laughs> you know, sometimes when you're out fishing, you don't catch them, but you're planting seeds or you're sharing love with them, you know, or you're watering something that's already been watered. So, hey, how are you today? What are you up to? Oh, just sitting here all by myself. Why are you sitting all by yourself? Because I'm lonely and sad. Why are you lonely and sad? Because I don't have no friends. Nobody <laughs> likes me. Nobody wants to hang around me. I know somebody that likes you a whole, whole lot. You do? Well, yeah. He likes me, too. Who? Nobody likes me. Oh, yes, indeed. His name is Jesus. Have you ever heard of Jesus? I think I've heard about him on TV. Yeah, maybe you've heard about him on TV. Every once in a while, there's good stuff on TV about Jesus. Yeah. Well, Jesus is the Son of God. God had a son? Yeah, God the Father sent Jesus the Son to die for our sins. Why would he do that for? Because he so loved the world, and that includes you and me. It includes everybody. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, Jesus, that whosoever believes on him should not perish but have everlasting life. What does that mean? That means you get to go to heaven someday. Heaven? I thought that was just a fairy tale. Oh, no. Heaven's a real place. But on the other hand, hell's a real place, too. 
But heaven's a real place. And you know what? Jesus loves you so much that all you have to do is receive him into your heart and you get heaven. How do I do that? Well, I'll tell you, but I'll show you, but I also want to tell you something else, too. Not only do you get to go to heaven someday, but he helps you every single day in life. Really? Yeah. He said he's closer than a brother. He's a friend that's closer than a brother. He said he would never leave us or forsake us. So maybe you feel like you've had friends in the past that forsook you. Jesus will never forsake you. He loves you so much. Wow. Wow. I need Jesus. All right. You want to receive Jesus into your heart today? I sure do. Okay. Well, say this prayer with me, okay? Say, Heavenly Father. Heavenly Father. I thank you. I thank you. That you sent your son Jesus. That you sent your son Jesus. To die for my sins. To die for my sins. And Lord, I believe. And Lord, I believe. That on the third day. That on the third day. You rose from the dead. You rose from the dead. Just so that I could be in heaven with you. Just so that I could be in heaven with you. Lord, come into my life. Lord, come into my life. Come into my heart. Come into my heart. I want to serve you from here on and forever. I want to serve you from here on forever. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Amen. I'm so excited. I don't have to be alone anymore. I know you don't have to be alone anymore. Welcome. Hey, I know a place where there's a whole lot of people at my church. It's called High Desert Word Center. It's across the street from the from the drive-in. I've seen that. Have you? Oh, hey, you need to come. Okay, we've got something for everybody, and we've got lift groups and stuff like that that'll help you just fellowship with people on a on a you know a smaller scale level. But we've got so many people, and we've got so much love in that church. They're going to love you. They're going to take care of you. And it's going to be good. Yeah. What time do I go? Well, it starts Sunday mornings at 10 or Sunday night at 6, and then Wednesday night from 7 to 8. And then we got all other kinds of stuff in between. Okay? I'll be there. Okay. Can I get a ride? I don't have a car. Okay. Well, give me your name and your phone number and all that kind of stuff, and we'll send somebody to pick you up. Okay. All right. Thank you. Okay. Love you. What about her kids? That, I know that lady. She's got a bunch of kids, too. Is there anything for the kids? She got. You have a bunch of children? Yes. Oh, ten. ten. Wow. <laughs> okay. Oh. Well, we have something for every single age. We have nursery. We have two nurseries. One for the little bitty ones that don't walk, you know, little infants. Then we have a toddler nursery. Then we have four and five classes and six to ten classes. And I bet you even have teenagers, huh? I do. Well, we have junior high youth group and senior high youth group. And you know what? We've got youth leaders that really love these kids. And even though they've been sad or messed up in life, they're going to make it. Just get them into church, okay? Awesome. Okay. Well, yeah, I told her about all the lift groups. Yeah, I told her we had lift groups. Oh, yeah. If if you're having any financial problems, we have this really cool thing called Financial Peace University. It's uh, Dave Ramsey. I don't know if you've ever heard him on radio or TV or whatever. But he helps people to, to get out of debt and how to how to oh, manage good. I'm their in money. A lot of debt. Oh boy! Well, he'll show you how I have to get a lot out of credit it. cards. Oh, oh, jeez! He'll show you how to get rid of them. Okay. All okay. right. Thank Love you. you. Well, I will see you Sunday. I'll be waiting at the door for you. All righty. Okay. Bye. Hey, man. And see all those different ways we got to clean them up. You get them in here, we'll get them cleaned up. We have lots of different, lots of different venues in here to get them cleaned up. But, you know, the example she just gave, she and I have done that so many hundreds of times over the years of people in stores, restaurants, city parks, ball games. We've just led so many people to Jesus that same way. And, you know, most Christians don't realize how easy it is to get somebody saved. 
But when we get them saved, we've got to get them in to get them cleaned up too. We've got to work on them. We've got to follow up after the fact. Mrs. Pastor made reference to something a while ago that was so good. One of the saddest things I've ever seen happen as a pastor is to see somebody walk through the door looking around like that, looking around, looking around, looking around. And I say, hey, I'm Pastor Sal. It's good to meet you. Uh, we're talking like that. I'm looking for a person. I think, okay, a lot of us here. No, the person named so-and-so, they invited me to church to come today. And that person's not here because they didn't come today. But they really, really, really worked on this person they work with or this neighbor for a long time. And finally, the day that they came to church, the person they been working on wasn't here. And because they wasn't here, that other person never came back again. God wants faithful fishermen that are faithful to be here. But I'll tell you, I, I cannot tell you the times I've seen the face drop when they came in. And I, I've seen people come into, you know, our church, I don't call it a wild church, but we have a lot of fun in our church. We're not a dead church. I've been to some dead churches that are dead churches. And somebody's come from a dead world in a church where people are jumping around and dancing and clapping and singing and having a good time. And you got a fish coming in that hadn't been caught yet. They just sit there like this. And they sit there terrified. And, you know, it's really, really especially bad if they get seated in the middle and they're surrounded with people where they can't get out easy if nobody's looking. And so, you know, if that friend that invited them is not here, they're thinking, you know, they probably don't pray yet, but they pray and they think, oh, God, oh, God, how do I get out of here? Oh, don't let them get me. Oh, Jesus, protect me. Help me, Jesus. Oh, help me, Jesus. Well, I guess they'd start praying then, wouldn't they? But anyway, I've watched them when I'm preaching, and there's nothing anymore that I want to stop preaching somebody like that in her sometime. And I just think, man, I want to go help them. I'll, sit, I'll be your friend. I'll come back. I'll sit with you. Hey, I'm not going to bite you. I'm not going to try to trick you into coming to her church. I just don't like you looking so hurt. Anyway, so what I'm saying is this again. If you've got somebody you're working on to get to come to your church, you make sure you kind of follow and know what's going on. And if you're going to, if you're going to happen to miss that day, then let this person work on, hey, I want to let you know, if you come to church this next Sunday, I'm going to be out of town, so I won't be able to sit with you if you come. Oh, well, that's free. Hey, <laughs> bad, but it's real. Okay, let, let's, let's follow up on our fishing trip. Luke chapter 5. By the way, uh, crew, you did a good job. That was really, really, really good. Billy Bob, glad to have you. <laughs> and, and, and your friend Lulu. <laughs> Luke chapter 5, <clears throat> verse 1. One day as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge, for the fishermen had left them ever washing their nets, taking care of the equipment. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push it out to the water so he could sit in the, sat, sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. And so Peter not only knew how to fish with the line, he went and caught that one fish, but he did know how to fish out of a boat with a crew. And so he's used the boat so Peter knew how to corporately fish. And this means getting the crew together to fish as a team. And so verse 4 then, when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Now go, go out where it is deeper and let down your nets to catch the fish. That's what Jesus said to High Desert Word, Word Center crew. 
He said, we're going out deeper Friday night, more serious fishing. We're not just going to come in and sit in the church and see the pastor do all the fishing, but we're going to go out ourselves and fish for three hours. We're going to fish together. And so Master Simon replied, we worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing, but if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. At this time, their nets were so full of fish they began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners in the other boat. So two boats, all the partners, all the crew on one boat, and then all the crew on the other boat were fishing together because the fish was great. A lot of fish out there took two boats, two crews. As soon, both boats were filled with fish of the verge of sinking. When Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, Oh, Lord, please leave me. I'm such a sinful man. For he was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught, as were the others with him. His partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. Jesus replied to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. As soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. And so to me, this is talking about Harvest Fest. This talking about a multitude of people. And I want, I want to look at a verse here that, uh, from Ezekiel chapter 47. And you turn there if you want to or not. But I just want to read this in, in passing. Ezekiel 47, it's uh, one of those double reference verses. It tells about what God's going to be doing for Israel in the end times, what he's going to be doing. But also, it tells about the revival, the revival that God has for the last days. There's going to be a major move of God in the earth. If you don't know it or not, you better get ready. There's a move of God coming. So anyway, Ezekiel chapter 47 talks about this river flowing, river revival. And I want to read verse 9 and verse 10 because here's how the prophet Ezekiel saw it in the Spirit. And it shall come to pass that everything that liveth which moveth wheresoever the rivers shall come and that's the rivers of the Holy Spirit flowing. Remember Jesus said, out of your bellies flow rivers of living water? Well, there's rivers of revival coming. He said, everything gets close to it shall live. And there shall be a very great multitude of fish. Because these waters shall come thither, for they shall be healed. And everything cometh, everything, everything shall live wherever the river comes. And it shall come to pass that the fishers shall stand upon it from Engedi to Igalum. And they shall be a place to spread forth nets. Their fish shall be according to their kinds as the fish of the great sea, exceeding many. And so he's talking about revival in the last days. It says it's going to be an exceeding great revival. And at our church, we've had as many as 5,000 people come to this harvest fest. And so get this crew together. We can expect every kind of fish you can imagine coming at her. How many know we see everything coming? And, and by the way, us all dressed up like fishermen today. We did not have a Halloween service this morning where we dressed up. Okay? I don't want you to think this has anything to do with Halloween because we dress different today. We're not celebrating Halloween. We're out here celebrating Jesus. And so we didn't do this as a costume. So around Halloween time in a week or two, don't come in wearing masks and makeup and scarecrows and stuff like that. Think, man, that, this church does that. No, we didn't do that for Halloween. If your kids want to dress up, that's you and their business. But we didn't do that. We did this for a lesson. Amen? But we are dressed different today. But anyway, this river revival is coming. And this uh, talk about Harvest Fest. We're going to be ready for it. And so we want to many people 
with as many people as we can, so we'll be awestruck too. I'll tell you what, I want to see so many people get hooked up with God through this Harvest Fest that I see this place filled up and other pastors tell me, you know what, there were, there were six new families came to my church today and they said they met Jesus over at your Harvest Fest. I say, well, hallelujah, you're our partner boat. Assembly of God, you're our partner boat. We got filled up, now fill yours. I want to say First Baptist, you're our partners in fishing. And the First Baptist say, you know what, we got a lot of, lot of new people, but they said they went to the Harvest Fest over there and they're from a Baptist background and they wanted to come to our church because we're Baptist and they came back to Jesus at your church. Amen. That's what we want to do. We want to fill the boats up. We want the nest to get so full, they got to have some place to go. Amen. Give the Lord a shout. Now, now I want to put the finishing touch on this of God's plan for networking and teamwork. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Now this is teaching networking. 1 Corinthians 12, and you know, if you've been a Christian for a while, you know that we, we refer to ourselves quite frequently as the body of Christ. Well, we do that because the Bible calls us the body of Christ. Back when Jesus walked the streets of Jerusalem, the streets of Galilee, Jesus was the body of Christ. Jesus lived in that physical body called Christ. He lived there. Where that physical body became glorified, and the physical body Jesus lived in is now in heaven at the right hand of God. He lives in it still, but in heaven. But we are the spiritual body of Christ. And so when the Bible talks about the body of Christ, it's talking about us, the spiritual body. We're all one. And 1 Corinthians 12 really teaches that good. But I want, to, I want you to notice verse 18. He says, But our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. Right now, my body has a hard time preaching without my hands moving. That's just the way it is. My hands move my body. If you tie my hands behind my back, I don't know if I can preach or not. They're just part of how I move. My body has two eyeballs. I look at those words on my page of my Bible with. I couldn't hardly preach without these eyeballs reading those words. They're necessary. And if you had gray tape on my mouth, my hands were moving. And words were there, and my eyes were seeing, but my mouth wasn't working, you wouldn't get any preaching. And then on your end of the body, if your ears weren't hearing because you were deaf or something like that, you wouldn't get any preaching, unless you sat real close and read my lips. Then they'll take your eyes. And then also, on this, this whole thing, every part of you has to be working to be able to do what we're doing. If you're having trouble walking, somebody got to push you in a wheelchair. They've got to have parts at work. They've got to have hands at work. And you've got to be able to get in. You've got to listen. But your feet carry you in. And if this morning before you came, unless you're fasting, you probably had to have your mouth work and your taste buds work and your hands work to drink some coffee, drink some oranges, drink some milk, something had to be working. Your hand had to be working. If you had food in a plate and you were looking at it, your hands wasn't working, that food would do you no good because your hand has to work to break it to your mouth. And then if part of your body called your stomach wasn't working right, you might look at it, and if your nose was working and you smelled it, 
but your stomach is upset, it'd do you no good. See, that's what he's talking about. Different parts of the body all have to work together. God did not make anything by mistake in your body. It's nice to have nostrils that work so you smell that food. It's nice to have taste buds that work, huh, Dylan? In Jesus' name, you're getting healing right there today. Amen. Heal is coming your taste buds today. He went through some serious chemotherapy, but things are coming back to work in him. And so God made our physical body to have lots of functions. You never even think about it. You know, today as I'm preaching, I'm walking back and forth. My feet's working. I don't have any serious toe issues. I don't have bunions. Hey, no, I'm giving you a serious lesson. The Bible teaches about all these parts. If one part's out of place, back when the Lord first taught me this passage years and years ago, I just had an older man in my church had a stroke. And as I was sitting there eating my breakfast, he said, James would like to do that. I knew what he was talking about. James was paralyzed on one side. He couldn't take his hand and get his food to us. He had a body like I had, but his body wasn't cooperating. He looked at it. He wanted it, but he couldn't eat it unless his wife fed him. And so he's talking here, as we look at this here, he's talking about the body of Christ. In our church today, right here today, we have a lot of hands. But the hands don't move and work to help the church. Then we're not going to be able to reach the sinners. We have a lot of feet in this church today. If the feet don't show up Friday night and move, there's going to be a lot of sinners don't get touched. Amen. Already... This past few weeks, there's been lots of hands, lots of feet, lots of capable people coming in, packing bags, doing things, getting all kinds of stuff fixed up. But that's what this whole passage we're going to be looking at is talking about, is the body is all necessary. It's all necessary. If you think parts that make you go to the bathroom aren't necessary, go to the hospital looking look at people that are blocked. Hey, man, things have to be moving, coming in and going out both. Everything's necessary. That's good preaching, Pastor. Well, I'll tell you what, somebody says, you shouldn't talk about that stuff in church. Go out to the emergency room and find somebody out there that's having trouble moving. And you think, boy, oh boy, that part is important. Amen. And so anyway, verse 18, it says, God has put each part where he wants it. So God put you exactly where he wants you. We're talking about a physical body, talking about a spiritual body. God puts you in the church where he wants you. Amen. If God put me to be the church member and not the pastor, I'd be sitting out there taking notes right now. God put me up here because he wanted me here. God put you there because he wanted you there. God, God, God did not make my, 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 my uh, hands to walk on. He didn't make my feet to shake yours with. <laughs> he put it like this, you know, like the guy, what guy says built backwards, said his, said his feet smelled and his nose ran. Thank you, Dylan. I was waiting, I was waiting on that. <laughs> I, I want to read these here and look at it now. We'll just go through this real quickly and we'll close it up then. And so he says, how strange your body would be if it only had one part. Yes, there are many parts, but one body. And this talk about church members, the body of Christ. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. In fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest, at least important, are actually the most necessary. And the parts we regard as less honorable 
of those we clothe with the greatest care. So we carefully protect these parts that should not be seen. How many know that right now we have some real serious parts of this church you can't see? We got children's ministry going, a few classes. We got a couple nurseries going this morning. You can't see those guys. But I'll tell you what, down here we're not hearing any crying babies. We're not smelling any sacks of poo-poo. Well, what's a sack of poo I know a little bit of Japanese. That's what they call dirty diapers, a sack of poo-poo. Okay. Dylan, I'm not loaded all this morning. Okay, we're not, we're not smelling those things. We're not seeing those things. How many know it's necessary to change baby's diapers? It's necessary to keep a peace. Okay. Uh, we care for people's part. Okay. While the more audible parts do not require this special care. Well, that part there, I do require special care. Thank you. I'm honorable up here, but I require, I require care as Mrs. Pastor. <laughs> okay. And so God has put the body together such that extra honor and care are given to those parts that have less dignity. This makes for harmony among the members so that all the members care for each other. All the members care for each other. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. If one part is honored, all the parts are glad. All of you together are Christ's body. All of you together are Christ's body. You get the picture of this. We're all Christ's body. Hands, legs, uh, eyes, ears, feet, whatever you are. God's the one that made us what we are. Man, I'm so proud. If I'm a hand, I'm so proud to be a hand. I'm so proud to be a foot. You know, whatever I am. And so it says, if one part is honored, all parts are honored. Your Christ bodies, each one of you. Here are some of the parts God has appointed for the church. Apostles, prophets, teachers, those that do miracles. Now look at this. Those who have the gift of healing. And here is where the majority of the body is. Those who can help others. We can all help others. But some people, that's what their whole calling is, is to be a helper. And those who have the gift of leadership. Those who speak in unknown languages, which is speaking in tongues. And so what we're saying there is this, that we are all called to help. He said there's helps. And so on Friday night, stay in your position, cooperate with your fellow fishermen, and we're going to have a great catch for Jesus. Have a great catch for Jesus. Amen. 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 Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.